Hey everybody, James Shepard here. It is Tuesday, March 17th, 2020. And this is a special episode of our podcast because all of us realize that with the coronavirus outbreak uh, here in the U.S. and around the world, things have really just dramatically changed uh, and will continue to change in our industry uh, in the near future. And so I wanted to let all of you know that I have planned podcast episodes now for the next three weeks that are really targeting how do we continue moving forward and growing our payment processing business through this difficult time. Uh, today, I didn't really feel right about doing all the intros and all the special effects that we do with our normal podcast. Um, this is just going to be me interviewing uh, someone that I believe will add value. Today, I'm actually going to interview Dave Humphrey. I'll introduce him in just a minute. We had a great podcast interview that you're going to hear today. I'm excited for you to hear it, talking about online ordering and how you can really just help these restaurant owners uh, to deal with potentially being almost shut down in a way where they can't have people coming in. But before we get to that, I just want to just share four really quick things with you here. Just give me a couple minutes. I want to share four things with you about the coronavirus and how merchant services sales organizations and sales representatives can continue to move forward during this time and just give you a couple of tips. Number one, do what you can do and stay informed. And again, you're gonna, you've heard this a thousand times from the media and everybody else, uh, so I'm not going to belabor the point, but do what you can do. Now, don't stress about the things you can't do, right? Um, you know, it's there's things that we can't do, there's things that we can do. Let's focus on what we can actually do um, and then stay informed. And so I, I don't want to live on, you know, Google News all day long, but I want to stay informed. I want to know where the coronavirus cases are. I want to be informed about, you know, uh, things that are coming from the government with notices and notifications and restrictions and be aware too. think more in the perspective of your merchant accounts. You know, how are your merchants and small business clients? What are they facing? What restrictions are they running up against? And so, number one, do what you can do and stay informed. Number two, help small business owners help small business owners. I really want to encourage our industry that, you know, let's face it, you know, our our success is directly tied to the success of small business America. And I would also, I think all of us would be on the same page in saying small business owners the last five years haven't actually had an easy time competing with Amazon and Walmart and Target and Olive Garden. And, you know, so it's not like these small business owners were already on a high and they were just having a big win when this coronavirus outbreak hit. They were already struggling. And unfortunately for many of them, this will be the death blow to their business. Um, and so, of course, there's the health concern, but there's also the, the concern for the business there as well. And so, you know, whether it's they're closed for two months or four weeks or, you know, people aren't coming in the same numbers, you know, these are real concerns. And so let me just encourage you, think creatively about what you could do to help small business owners in your community, because when the dust settles from all of this and this is behind us, which will happen, right? We all understand. I mean, 12 months from now, we're going to all look back at this and say, wow, that was crazy. That was insane, but it's over, right? And so we know that. And so we can kind of put ourselves in those shoes when we get too stressed and look back and say, well, you know what? I can, I can put myself in that position of 12 months from now and realize looking back that, you know, everything's going to be fine. But at the same respect, What's going to happen when the dust settles is that your reputation, right? What did you do during the next, you know, eight weeks 
to solidify your reputation in your local market with your vertical, whatever it is you're going after, your target market. What did you do to solidify your relationship, um, to solidify your re- you know, reputation as a, a company or an individual that wants to help small business owners? No strings attached, just help small business owners. Think about that. It's very easy for us to get consumed with our own problems and the, the issues that we're facing, which are, are many, but... You know, once you've done the things that you can do, you can't do anymore. So focus on helping small business owners. That's what our whole industry needs to do. And if we can do that, that's going to reposition our reputation or hopefully solidify it in our local markets. Number three, continue growing and developing new relationships during this time. Don't let this be an excuse to stop developing new relationships. Now, it may become harder for you to develop new clients new client relationships. Now, I think you can still do that, but you know, it's going to be more challenging. There's no doubt, but you can continue to develop new relationships. Start a Facebook group for small businesses in your community. Um, you know, reach out and provide things, you know, help business owners, provide helpful information to them. Um, you know, cold call businesses and just say, Hey, I created a couple of videos on, you know, how to handle online ordering or how to deal with this or how to deal with that. You know, during this time, can I email them to you? Not trying to sell them, just emailing them information. That's helping small business owners and you're establishing relationships so that once the dust settles, you can then follow up and and work with them. And again, I'm not saying don't keep making sales, keep making sales. And that's what we're going to talk. That's all we're going to talk about the next three weeks really is just, I'm going to interview people that I believe have something that you can continue to sell during this time to small business owners. But Continue to grow relationships. And finally, number four, let me just encourage all of you to stay on the offense. It's going to be so easy for our industry to look inward and to say, oh, my residuals are down. You know, what is this going to, how's this going to impact me? And, you know, I think I'm just going to have to hunker down here and I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to, you know, isolate myself from the world for a long time. Now, for some of you, that that actually might be the right decision, right? It, depending on your health and the area that you're in, and the you know the government uh, you know edicts that come out and things like that. But you know, let me encourage you to stay on the offense. I talked in our Facebook group uh, today about it. I said, you know, even if staying on the offense for you means you know what, I've got to stay home for two, three, four weeks here. Um, I'm going to become you know a much better parent. I'm going to become a much better spouse. Um, you know, maybe you're a manager and you say, you know what, I'm going to develop deeper relationships with with my people. Because even though they have to work from home, I'm going to take this time that I have and I'm going to make sure that I'm working with them. You know, whatever that is, stay on the offense. Hopefully, you're going to find ways through our podcast to grow your business and continue to develop new relationships, new client relationships, even during this time. And so, let me encourage you to listen to the podcast, stay creative, and stay on the offense. Why? Because we're all happier on the offense. Once we get on the defense and say, well, there's nothing we can do, we're just all screwed here. We're all just going to have to, you know, stay at home and, and, you know, well, we can stay positive. You know, we can stay in a point where we're on the offense. We're trying to improve. We're trying to grow. Read a sales book, right? Read a good book. Do some personal development. Think about your goals. How are you going to develop yourself? So don't lose sight of that. Please stay on the offense. I promise you it's going to make you much happier in the long run. So with all that said, I'm ready to dive into our interview. We're going to now talk to Dave Humphrey. So I'm going to introduce him right now and get into this great interview on online ordering and how you can leverage this to develop new merchant relationships right now. 
All right, everybody. I am here today with Dave Humphrey, the president of Bright Payment Solutions. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm doing great, James. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, good to talk to you. So this is kind of our special episode, as I've already talked about, and we're talking about the effects of the coronavirus. And more importantly, though, rather than staying on the defense, what can we do to go on the offense? We want to continue to grow our business. We also want to help small business owners. So Today, Dave and I are going to discuss online ordering for restaurants specifically and how to get your restaurant clients up and running quickly so they can you know, continue to generate revenue uh, even with these restrictions. So, Dave, can you give us a little context to start out with? How big of a problem is this as of the time of this recording, which, you know, it'll be posted in two days, so everything will be changed by then. But, you know, where are we at right now with this? How big of a problem is this? Well, it's, it's pretty big. In fact, uh, I'm going to go ahead and reference, uh, you know, the date and time we're recording. So it, it's Tuesday, uh, St. Patrick's Day, March 17th, and uh, it's afternoon. And as of um, about 30 minutes ago, James, I got a notification that the governor of Florida, where we're at, uh, Ron DeSantis, he limits restaurants and beach gatherings and everything else, but he closes bars um, and and um, the dining uh, spaces so nightclubs, uh, bars, nightclubs will be closed for 30 days to prevent the spread of the virus, um, and this is huge. So we have wow. uh, yep. restricted access to restaurants. We're already seeing restaurants um, uh, only uh, revert to uh, drive up, pick up. Um, some of them, you know, do delivery, but we're seeing uh, a huge, huge impact. And it seems like I don't know if you're catching this, but it seems like every Half a day, there's a new restriction. I know in Indiana, um, they they um, put uh, the mandate in place to the end of the month. Uh, before that was uh, right before that was New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut. So we're seeing a pattern in many uh, local areas in, in uh, California. I'm sure the, the reps that are listening to this can tell uh, a lot more accurate than I can of of what's going on there. Um, th- this is just uh, a mammoth. Yeah, move. It's really a body blow to these restaurants. I have never seen you know? anything like this yeah. ever in my lifetime. So it's it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think too. It's you know the thing that's crazy about it is there are some establishments, you know, pizza shops being among them, and a few others that you know might have some kind of either kind of drive ups, you know, curbside thing or delivery service. But the vast majority of dining establishments literally have no way for you to currently get the food unless you walk into the business, which you're not going to be allowed to do. So, talk to us about. Where do you see this going right now? I'm, I'm assuming, you know, these restaurants are, are looking to maybe DoorDash and Uber Eats. Like, is that the right decision for them? Like, give us a little context of, like, what you're seeing these restaurant owners doing and what you feel like their options are at this point. Well, um, great question. And, and reverting to, again, uh, DoorDash, Uber Eats, these services, I mean, logic would tell you this is a great option. And for many of them it is, by the way. However... There are associated fees. There are challenges even within the context of these third-party services, and they're real. Um, because, you know, now you have another set of uh, human hands handling things. You have another party involved that you can't see and control. Um, because of the the unknown piece of the spreading of the virus and that type of thing and how it can and cannot be contained and this, that, and the other, there's that to consider. Hmm. Um 
I did just get notice, well, not just get notice, but uh, yesterday I was reading about Grubhub waiving all commissions, which is helpful, uh, but there still is an associated cost with that. Um, so there are options. The third-party services do help, but here's the thing there. Now, what we're finding, uh, and I don't know how many, and I'm sure there's reps out there will have some really good feedback on this because right. I don't claim to be an expert for sure, so there's probably many more that know uh, much more than I do, but what I'm seeing now is there's a shortage of drivers. Um, oh, I'm sure they cannot. Yeah, they. So now we have a situation where they're preparing food and the food's sitting there for up to 45 minutes to hour and 15 minutes before it's getting delivered. So now we got a whole new set of challenges. Sure. So uh, I mean, think about it, James. Somebody orders a, a chicken quesadilla. Um, there are two or three of them. They say, I don't know, that maybe they use a, a local Mexican restaurant or Chili's or whatever. Well, it gets there and it's cold. Right. Um, are we now dealing with chargeback issues? Are we now dealing with complaints? Um, right. So right. if if we got fees associated with this, you get a delivery of four or five quesadillas and it's $110. I mean, you know, that kind of thing. Those are those are really um, legit issues and they are they're big challenges. And so the third-party services, in my personal opinion, it is a part of the answer, but it is not the answer. And there's there's other things associated with that, um, that that I would I don't know if you have time to talk about, but but there are things associated with those third-party services that that restaurants challenge with are challenged with also. Um, you know, uh, sure. The the data you know the data that comes in, like for example. Uh, and I, I hope I don't go off. off no, you dive in. I mean, but, I well, and again, but, I think I think Dave to step back and frame this. I mean, really, the purpose of this particular interview is that I want to help you know, and I know you have this desire as well. We were we really are on here today because we want to help the ISO world and the MLSs, the agents and, and ISOs out there. We want to help you be able to go to market with an online ordering solution that's going to work, and that means you're going to be competing against Uber Eats and DoorDash and and Grubhub. So, yeah. So, give us a little more data. Why, you know, what what is the pitch against using those services? I guess is the right way to frame that. Well, the one of the biggest problems is, and and I and I'm no way trying to poke at anybody that has a POS that runs these services through their POS or anything like that. But here's one of the biggest problems. The biggest problem is is you have these restaurants, especially the smaller mom and pops, and they have worked so hard to build loyalty and relationships over the years. And they're in essence taking that loyalty, that relationship, they're handing it off to another party. Right. And that other party does what they want with it. So now what you have is is let's say you have um John Smith, he's been buying pizza from you for, for three and a half years, and he comes in and he buys pizza. Well, John, now John can go to Grubhub. Well, the thing is, is now now you're going to pay more to service the customer, the relationship that you built. You're going to pay – the restaurant owner is going to pay more for that. Right. Right. Not only that, now if the restaurant doesn't owner, uh, owner doesn't participate in the programs, the promotional programs that Grubhub has, get involved in their uh, their portal – they're not paying for top position. So now you've got a commission being paid. Now, I, and I realize there's not a commission during this crisis for Grubhub. But there will be when it's over. <laughs> but there will be when it's over, correct. Right. So, so and it will be over. Um, so so you got this commission. Well, now what you have is you have this, uh, the, comp- the competition for the pizza place, right? And they built this loyalty with John Smith. Now the competition can actually supersede this, uh, their position. 
So now when John goes on to Grubhub to order, he's going to see all of those pizza because remember they're tracking all this behavior. Right. So now they're advertising to John Smith with the competitor from the place that he's been going to. So the competitor either has to pay to play or they're going to get bumped out of position. Right. And so what it's done is, is you've got this idea that the third parties, and I will stress it's an idea that the third parties go in there with the chance to, to make you know, all this money. Well, technically speaking, you do increase revenue. But as a matter of a fact, and, and in fact, what I'll do is I'll send you some links to a couple of these articles. As a matter of fact, they're, they're, they see more revenue, James, but they don't see more profit. Right. So as we all know, being in business is about profit. It's not about revenue. Right. Meaning, yeah, sh- sure, you're doing a million dollars a month in whatever, but your profit margin is 0.05%. Well, how much money are you really making? I mean, what are you really doing here? Right. So what we're seeing is, is we're seeing a higher level of liability with a third party coming in, right? They're, they're, they're literally – I'm not saying they're touching your food. Now, for the record, by the way, and, and anybody can do the research on this, they did do a survey with uh, many of these Uber Eats, third-party services, the actual delivery people. Right. And uh, over 30% of them actually have sampled food before, by the way. Okay? That's a, that's a fact. It's Go do the research. It's there. Uh, so that's a little that's <laughs> a little concerning. Little <laughs> well, a little and, bit, well right? and again, it's like right. nor, under normal circumstances, it would be concerning. Under these circumstances, it's very problematic. Bingo. Bingo. So, so we got that going on, all right? And, that's, and, and again, that's a fact. Now, here's the thing. Grubhub cannot control, nor Uber Eats or DoorDash or whoever, they cannot control um, someone's standard of ethics, uh, who they are, sure. how clean they are. These things, they just can't do that. Right. So what they want to do is they make money off the, They just want to get the food from point A to point B. Sure. What happens in between there? They it's, a, it's a platform. They're now trying they, to skim from the platform, right, right, and they don't. Yeah. They're, they're enabling so, people so, to do whatever they want. They're not. They're not controlling. Right. So, so the question is, the question is, is for these restaurant owners, is that the best case scenario? And I would say most of them would say no. And for the rep, getting educated about this particular situation, and the and the disadvantages of these third party services. I really think is wise yeah. because when you go to sell opportunities and when you go to bring value, you really need to be aware of why this other may not be as valuable as you think. Right. And uh, so, so you know, that's when I think the reality of what's happening. Yeah, and I think. It, and by the way, before I continue, uh, you know, you'd mentioned some articles about uh, Grubhub and Uber Eats and these different things. Uh, if you send those links over, we'll obviously put those in the show notes. Everybody, if you go to ccsalesper.com and you're looking at the uh, show notes, they'll be there. Um, but I, I think what I hear you saying is the only quote-unquote advantage of Uber Eats, Grubhub, DoorDash is this distribution. They already have people looking to get food delivered to them um, on their platform. And so restaurant owners feel like because they don't have that distribution and they may not have people clamoring for, you know, getting their food through online ordering because maybe they don't even have that platform, they need to rush to these other platforms that are actually taking a big percentage of the revenue. So, what is the alternative? Let's get a little bit more specific. I know you have a solution for this. Um, talk a little bit about what what can a small business owner, a restaurant owner, what can they do to kind of establish their own direct relationship with their customers uh, to do online ordering during this time? Um, a great question again, and, and you have the best questions, man. <laughs> it's just a little plug for you people out there. Thank you. I don't know. <laughs> how 
much you actually um, benefit from James Shepard's podcast. But if you benefit, you need to give this guy props. I'm just throwing that in there really quick Thank you, because Dave. it's Appreciate important it. for people to hear because our, I know our people do all the time. So let me throw that in there. Okay, so the alternative. Here, here's the deal. Um, there are many services out there that operate independently from this idea, this third-party idea. And what the services do um, in principle, and I could name a hundred of them. Right. I really could. Sure. I mean, Me too. Uh, um, uh, there are so many good POS and services and uh, uh, online ordering services. Um, I, I would actually name a few of them, but I don't want to offend anybody, but there's people in my sure. groups sure. that I just look at their stuff and I respect them so much. I mean, I have the utmost respect for their ability to, to promote and develop this technology. So with that said, here's the, here's the idea that I think is, is wiser to promote and brings more value to the agent and the merchant and the restaurant owner. And that is put the, put the platform in yourself, okay? Use a platform that, is, that you have the autonomy to control, to, to change up, to, ha- to have the opportunity to push and to promote. Let's focus on customer loyalty. Let's focus on re- – instead of paying 30% or 23% to somebody else, let's pass on that – what you would normally pay. Let's pass that on in loyalty points. Let's pass it on in coupons. Let's pass it on in opportunities to continue to build the relationship with that existing customer. And an online platform that gives you autonomy to do what you want to do, and it's simple, it's concise, it doesn't cost you an arm and a leg, in my opinion, that's what what the restaurants should go towards. Um, Because what they can do is keep in mind, these guys got now, and right now in the current climate they're in, they can't really promote it table side, meaning they can't put a table tent or something like that up. However, what they can do is a lot of these people, they do have some type of contact information. If they don't, they need to start building a CRM. Very wise to do that. Get, get, a, get them enrolled in a loyalty program. Uh, get their uh, phone number so they can text them specials. Uh, even the old traditional email, you know, it still works, by the way. Right. Um, there are there are solutions out there, but I really think having a platform for a restaurant owner that they have the choice, meaning they are literally not almost penalized to use this. Now, where the third parties really sort of like try to shoot that down and say, yeah, but we promote it here. Well, yeah, but you're promoting everybody else. So if you right. have an autonomous platform, I control this. I own it. This is, quote, my website, my space. Now what that restaurant owner can do, instead of giving revenue to another party to do really, to be honest with you, what they should be doing themselves, why don't we get more involved in controlling our own destiny regarding marketing, the platform that we have, the tools that we have? You know, build those relationships. And, James, these restaurants – you know, these, these guys are, are – a lot of these guys, their heart and soul is in this. They love yep. fixing food. They love making yep. people happy, right? Yep. Let's take that passion and move it into this space. Right. And I think that's really needed big time. I really am not in favor of a restaurant depending on another party solely to take their restaurant, quote, their revenue, you know, to the next level. And then all of a right. sudden you say, wait, actually, this is not the next level. This is worse. You know, right. that's really – well, and again, I think I think a lot of these restaurants have kind of, you know, it's been something on the back burner because, you know, for a lot of these local restaurants, maybe 
10% of their business has been DoorDash, Uber Eats, whatever. Well, it's like all of a sudden this is such an opportunity because they realize, well, wait a second, now it's going to be 100% for X number of weeks or months or whatever. So do I really want another platform doing this? And I think, Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like what you're saying is the question comes down to as a restaurant owner, you know, there's two things you have to pay for or you have to have. One is you have to have the technology to implement online ordering, which there are actually quite a few really good options for that. The other thing you have to pay for is distribution to actually get people to come and make an order. Um, and I think these restaurant owners, and we'll get to this in a little bit, but I think these restaurant owners really, they, they've devalued their own distribution. You know, if you have a restaurant that a lot of people have gone to in a local community with a very inexpensive Facebook ad or Instagram ad or whatever, you know, you can actually really get people to come to your own platform and then you're building out your own thing. So I think it sounds like what you're saying, Dave, is that as a restaurant owner, you know, you need to have the software, which sure, you could get that through DoorDash or Uber Eats, but it's going to cost you 20% of the revenue plus, right. or you could have your own solution, but then you still have to get the distribution, which is a, a basically a different problem. But I think what you're saying is that's a problem the restaurant owner should want to control and solve themselves. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. And not only that, let's sort of frame that idea up into the, in the current situation we're in right now today. Okay. Again, March 17th, 2020, we're in the middle of this virus crisis, absolute crisis. I would call it a catastrophe. Um, And I think most people in my industry would agree. Let's frame it up like this. We have people. So I have one guy I talked to this morning, in fact. So we we handle processing for tons and tons of restaurants. So one in particular has 260 employees, multiple locations. I talked to him this morning. They had to lay 61 employees off right off the bat. They're in Indiana, Illinois. Right. Um, so that was heartbreaking. So they're repurposing their employees that are the servers that have dependable transportation to do deliveries. Now, they're taking a big pay cut for that, but it's better than not having anything at all. Right. Um, and, and so they're – well, here's the thing. They also have a couple employees that have, let's say, a bigger social network. They're more familiar with online strategies or whatever. And they're actually having them push out specials on their network. They're having them run their own the restaurant's Facebook page. They're having them wow, love it. write basically articles about, hey, we need your support. Come order online. I mean, right. they're literally online making a plea. Hey, help us stay in business. I'm serious. That's yeah. what's happening. Help yeah. me keep my job. That's right. going on right now with restaurants. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that really – yeah. So – Okay, I I think we've definitely framed this, and I think I think most of the ISOs and agents out there recognize that this is one of the opportunities that can be pursued right now. Um, that again, when I say opportunity, that that may even sound like the wrong word. This is one way that you can dramatically help the small business community in your area um, by providing them with something that they really need. So now that we've kind of established that, Dave, let's get a little more specific. So. I want to talk about your platform specifically. Um, you know, and again, it's online ordering. So, you know, I got a demo of it a couple of things yesterday, which was great. So, give us a little, you know, uh, elevator pitch on what your solution specifically is. But more importantly, I really want you to describe the financial model because I think a lot of other ISOs could learn from that in the way that you've really kind of tried to remove this friction 
from the sales process where restaurants are really not in a position right now where they're wanting to think about switching processing providers and things like that. So can you kind of give us the elevator pitch and then get into the more of the financial model that you've set up uh, with this solution to make it kind of frictionless to get started? Yeah, I, I'll, certainly. So here's here's the thing I want to start with. We we do have a a little bit of a um, sort of a I don't know how to how to say this. I guess an emergency crisis model, if you will. Right. Um, here's the way that we're pitching this right now. So we have a system, James, that is just you, we did the demo for you. Very right. simple. This is extremely simple. User interface is simple. It's built on what call, what is called a progressive web application. Okay, so it's not native to Android, not native to iOS. It's not an optimized or a, or a, um, a responsive website. So it's not a you know like a WordPress responsive whatever that kind of thing. Um, what it is is it's it's a PWA platform. So it works on Safari. It works on uh, Microsoft Edge, it works on a desktop, it works on a laptop, it works on an iPad, it works on an iPhone, right? It comes across the same way, Chrome and all this other. And the cool part about it is is it does have the ability to do your push notifications. You can save the icon to the top of your phone like you do with a regular native application, so it's extremely unique. The cool part about it is this. You can actually search engine optimize this thing. So, so our team can do that for the restaurant. We have a great team of of a marketing staff here we've got a couple web designers we have a couple video guys we have um the, the guys that actually build the menus and and they help them with the social media and we walk them through that so we have a very robust back end that will take a merchant and just hold them hold their hand and say look we got this let's do this together here's what we need to do so our, our solution is extremely simple in that you can literally take your phone, you take a picture of a hamburger or whatever on a plate, and in less than three and a half minutes, you've got your menu item up there, populated, and you're good to go. Um, as far as cost, uh, what we're doing right now in the midst of this crisis is it's zero. No catch, zero. You, you, we, we board it, you use it, that's it. If you want to buy a kitchen printer to bolt onto that, we'll even do that for I don't know, 25 bucks a month or whatever. We're, we're trying to put right. the least amount of pain possible, um, so we can have this. And, and the cool part about it is, is if they say, look, if there's no risk, if it's absolutely zero, that's the real deal. And it is. I mean, right. there's no ETF. Right. There's no monthly minimum. This is true, absolutely. No risk, zero for the restaurant owner. And here's the other cool thing. Uh, when they get in touch with us, and obviously they fill out a merchant application, they don't have to switch over their processing. Okay? And, and just for the record, we're not going to hound them about that right now. Right. And I know that may be time. like a cardinal sin in sales <laughs> right now, but we're not going to do it. And I'll tell you why. Because these people have some serious issues they're dealing right. with. They're talking about uh, closing down. Right. Okay, they're talking about some of these people been open. And and they don't need to be fooling no. with that. Wrong, wrong so what, time all we do, do is we go ahead. No, I was gonna say just the wrong the wrong timing, right? It's like right now is about establishing yeah. relationships yeah. and helping people. Yeah, and that's what we're about. So so we have a program that is absolute legitimate in that framework of we're here to help. And so what we do is we take I have four people that we have set aside in our on our staff, um, and they take these restaurant owners by the hand, 
tell them, here's what we do, here's how we did this, follow up on everything, show them how to use it, get them off and running, and they're good to go. And I mean there's no cost. Like there's no catch. We're not going to come back and charge them an annual fee. We're not, I mean it's just right. it's very simple. And so let's just say they have a, um, a toast uh, application running um, and they're, they're processing with so-and-so processor. Um, fine. We're not knocking that. We're not even going to talk to you about it. Fine. All we know is, is if you need a very simple, dependable, fast system, meaning it runs efficiently, it runs cross-platform, it can board in two to three days, the whole menu up, running, done, we're good, and we follow up with you, and we make sure everything's good. If you want that with zero risk, we're here to help. And so... So let's do this, Dave. I want to I want to dig into this just a little bit more. I have a couple things to clarify for maybe our listeners who have never sold online ordering and are still kind of grappling with it a little bit. So let me just take do 30 seconds to like describe what I saw in the demo and then you fill in the blanks for us. Um, okay. So what we're talking about here, number one, there is no hardware involved other than the printer, meaning you know, there is a web link, so the merchant has their own link that they're going to use, and they can post it on Facebook. They can send it via email, text message, whatever, and they're going to send this out to their customers. When their customers click that link, they're going to see a menu where they can go and they can choose the items that they want through a very, very fancy uh, back-end website. So it's very simple, but the idea is this whole uh, idea of progressive web app, it's a website. It's just that it has some special code that allows it to do push notifications, save it to the phone screen, and do different things like that. It's really cutting edge. A lot of big companies are doing it now. So it's a branded thing. So they, the consumer clicks the link. They see that restaurant's logo, etc. They see that menu. They then choose the items they want. They then go to a checkout screen, which is going to run through Bright. It's going to run through your payment processing solution. Um, and then that order is going to be either, I would imagine, emailed or something to the merchant. Or like you mentioned, they could set it up to actually go to a kitchen printer where people could, could print it out. Did I miss anything? That's about it. Cool. That's about how simple it is. I mean, it is literally that simple. Um, and, and the fact is, is the analytics side on the back end, uh, the data, the reporting is, is extremely um, rich. It, it can be accessed by your phone. Um, it's, it's, it's just very simple. It's cut and dried. Um, and we built it like that. And we built this, by the way, uh, to really specialize, James, in that small to medium-sized business that, we're, that they're not in the position to afford that big-time system or the, or the fees associated with that and all of the requirements. We just felt like, you know what, there's a group of merchants out there that really need this, right. and, and they're not in a place where they need to drop this you know, huge system in there and all these different pieces, and then sure. now they got these different things to bolt on, right? There's some people that just they, they just want a simple, simple solution, and right. we built that for this. Yep. And here's the other thing. I failed to mention that you know this actually can work very, very well for retail. Of course. So if you sure. have a retail location uh, that, that wants to drive up and pick up, I mean, this covers it. So we right. can bring that, that database in, populate it with the products, and it works for that also. So it's very, very useful, very simple. But the way you described it was better than I could have. So kudos to you on that. <laughs> you did a great job. It's perfect. Got it. Okay. Now, last. so last thing let's talk about is, because I know you're not even charging processing fees to the merchant, if I was understanding the model correctly. So 
Talk about the service fee that the, or whatever you're calling it, that the consumer pays and then how that kind of would compare to an experience a customer's already used to having on a DoorDash or an Uber Eats or something like that. Yeah, so this is what the, probably the, one of the most beautiful things about this. Um, the consumer is used to paying a fee for the service. Absolutely. But not only that, the merchant pays a fee for the service. So you've got two parties paying a fee, um, and, and the third party does very well. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they make money. Right. I get it. That's what they're in there. Well, what we do is we have a very reasonable, and I stress reasonable fee, that is charged to the consumer that covers everything. So it covers you know, any, um, any services that are involved, period, point blank, flat fee. That's it. Simple. It's extremely reasonable. And it is probably, to be frank with you, I would say probably 20 to 25% of what normally is being charged right now. Yeah. And so, so the, the merchant's already used to this. Right. But what we're doing is we're taking the pressure off the merchant. We're giving the merchant more freedom uh, to, to take that money they're saving and put it in other places. So, so here's our, our theory. Um, I don't know if it's totally true yet, but here's our theory. Our theory is, is when the merchant saves us money on this online platform, it allows them to put more money into the promotion, promotional piece. So as you know um, very well, that you can go on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, and you can promote, say, special of the day, special of the week, whatever, our delivery service, uh, don't 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 fear the don't fear the virus. We're here for you. Order online, you know, whatever it is, right? Because the bottom line is, people are going to be online more and more and more ever yep. than before. Everybody's right going to be living on Facebook and Instagram, up, if you will, right? They're going to be browsing and seeing the stuff. So, so now what the merchant has the freedom to do instead of, you know, taking it on the chin for for anywhere from you know twenty three to thirty percent with these other vendors, for a fraction of that, they can take that savings. And now they can, say, create a $100 ad, push it out, sponsor it to Facebook, run it for four or five days. And I think they'll see a noticeable difference. Oh, yeah. Noticeable difference in revenue. And here's the thing. They're not paying. Like, when I say it's free, I mean, it's zero. Right. Like, they're, they're they went from paying. paying 23 to 30% of revenue to paying 0% of revenue because the, only, right. the exactly. only thing you're collecting is a consumer and fee. Think about it, James. You're, if you're buying $50 worth of food, right, you're buying 50 bucks worth of food, you're paying less than $5 to get get the food. I, I think that's pretty reasonable. Oh, and I, I can tell you, uh, I, I can tell you from, you know, I'm one of these people that, that uses these services literally two, three times a week. Um, and when, you know, when I was looking at kind of the range that you guys were looking at, I'm like, wow, like, no, I, you normally pay a lot more consumers that are used to doing this. And, and, you know, most have done some kind of ordering at some point. Now they're going to do a lot more, but, uh, you know, consumers are totally conditioned to pay this fee. It's not even a question. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I like it. So, so, okay. Before it now, I, I want to definitely get to, you know, where they can go to learn more and all that stuff. But I did have one last question and we've only got a couple minutes, but you know, one of the things that's a little off topic here, but in this whole context of the coronavirus, you know, we've talked about kind of being on the offense, going after uh, online ordering, which is huge. Now on the other side, on the defensive side a little bit, um, there's precautions. I've talked to a lot of ISOs that are concerned about things like, 
well, James, we're deploying terminals. Like, what does that mean? Or, you know, where our employees are touching these terminals, you know, um, we're sending out that, you know, like, so I'm just kind of curious, you had mentioned a couple things you were looking at doing. Would you have any other tips that you'd want to share with ISO execs that are listening right now that are talking about operational procedures as far as the way they interact with the merchants to, um, you know, just again, to take the reasonable precautions that they can take, especially in the area of like equipment deployment. Do you have any, any thoughts or tips on that? Yeah, well, what we're doing, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts and tips on it because what we're doing, we started doing actually uh, a while back, is when we when we started to do research on the virus and and the science that has been um, revealed so far that that we feel is credible, um, we felt like making sure that that our employees were totally germ free, so we have hand sanitation and wipes and everything else, so we clean everything up, meaning that the terminal comes out. You know, usually it's brand new and and you you think it's safe, right? It's been sitting on the shelf or whatever, but we program it, get everything done. And if we're dealing with a POS, let's say a PAX E700, you know, usually you're touching the screen and that type of thing. Screen protector, so you peel off the plastic, but we clean that also. So we clean everything thoroughly, thoroughly. Everything is absolutely cleaned. We wrap it. It is like... I don't know how you could get it any cleaner. Um, And we let everybody know that. And then we drop, actually, we have these bottles of hand sanitizer um, that we put out. Um, We we put a cover, a little message on them, you know, regarding our cash discount program, you know, take charge of germs and your credit card processing fee, you know, just a, you know, a cute little thing to whatever. But we put, we put a one ounce bottle of hand sanitizer in there also, um, and uh, and we make sure that that all of our employees know that this is like a critical time, right? And people are really really sensitive to this stuff right now. Yep. And uh, and we have had some feedback where some people said, "Well, don't you think that's overkill, James?" Right now, I, I don't know what else to do but yeah. to err to the side of caution. Yeah. Because I, I have never encountered anything like this in my lifetime. Right. And I'm not gonna second guess things right now right um right not the time for that safe so that's what we're doing on our side and uh and it seems to be appreciated yeah i love it i love it all those little details like that make a huge difference so dave always uh, a pleasure speaking with you love the the content here i think this is going to be a big help uh to a lot of the isos and agents so for those who say wow that actually sounds pretty slick um i need something like that i can sell right now over the phone or whatever um where would you send them to learn more about uh, Bright? And then, of course, uh, you know, to, to learn more about this online ordering that they can sell to merchants. Well, they can always uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm fairly active on there, Dave Humphrey. Um, they'll find me on LinkedIn. Uh, the other place they can find us, of course, is our website at brightps.com. Uh, that's available. And we did put together a uh, – we're actually launching this, I think, in – maybe tomorrow or the next day. I'm not sure. I'll have to get with my marketing department. But we have a website called don'tpanictakeout.com. And don'tpanictakeout.com is really stressing. We're going to have tips for the restaurant owners. We're going to actually be gathering other tips from other restaurant owners, aggregating that information and putting it putting it there so other restaurant owners can sort of hear and see what other restaurant owners are doing. Um, And there's going to be the opportunity to get a demo of our system, to ask any questions. Uh, Again, there's no catch. It's extremely upfront. We disclose everything. There's, there's no 
there's nothing that's going to bite these guys down the road, you know. Right. So that website, uh, Don't Panic Take Out, um, explains that. And it and hopefully um, this is a way that, that also the agents can maybe go there and look at this and, and maybe they can get some ideas. Because, again, right. I get it. There's a lot of really good solutions out there, James. And maybe they can glean from this and get some really good ideas and it will help them. Because at this point in time, to be honest with you, we're all sort of going to have to stick together and understand right. this is going to be a tough, probably a tough few months here. Right. And um, and so anything we can do to help each other is going to be good, I think. Awesome. And then, uh, so Dave, that, of course, you said you could look up Dave Humphrey on LinkedIn, and that website is bright, B-R-Y-T-E-P-S dot com, right? That's it. Awesome, Dave. Thanks so much for your time. Always a pleasure, and I uh, appreciate the info. Thank you for listening to the Merchant Sales Podcast. Whether you are an industry veteran, processing executive, or just trying to learn about the payment space, we appreciate your time. The Merchant Sales Podcast is a joint production from greensheet.com and ccsalespro.com. We hope you will tune in next week for more information and tips on building your merchant services business.